so hello everyone welcome to new talks um in this first episode i'm joined by noor muhammad who's a very good friend of mine she's 26 years old from bahrain noor graduated actually from bahrain polytechnic co-founded and managed the operations of a cargo company then left to work for a leading regional food delivery platform in their sales department before moving to the United States just this year. Which is actually funny because that's where Noor and I met for the first time. Um, we've been part of a um, leadership program called the MEPI Student Leaders Program where we spent this summer in 2017 together. Um, that's a story I think Noor is going to tell you more about. I'd like to start by asking you about your background, if you could tell us which city you grew up in and where did you go to school in Bahrain? It's called Bahrain Polytechnic. Yeah. It's um, it's kind of like a practical university mm-hmm. and um, it's very different from the traditional learning that people were used to in Bahrain. Like when I joined it, it didn't have any graduates yet, so they didn't have any alumni, so they didn't know. There was a lot of uncertainty about that university, and that was back <laughs> in 2012. Yeah. And um, so, like, a lot of people were like, oh, we don't know if you're going to be employable and everything, but I really believed in that school because yeah. I knew a couple of people who went there. My major was, yeah. um, it's international logistics management. Good. And um, it's, like, very different than what I do now because it's all about, like, global shipping and, like, moving cargo on from point A to point B. And it was, like, the knowledge that I obtained from that degree definitely helped me with, with like, working. But, yeah. you know, you know, when you study something, is different than when you work it. And I loved that mm-hmm. major. Like, I owe my career to it because it's not just the major itself. It was... The culture of that, like, uh, of the logistics school and biotechnic. So it was a lot of things that just made me who I am today. So I would definitely say that having the right education and the right um, environment and mm. that, like, from the age of 18 to 22, 23 is re- really important because that's when you start exploring and understanding yourself. Yeah, well, that's so great. Um, and, and your school basically was in the city you grew up in? Well, Bahrain is initially a small city, so it's not like you move out of the city or something, because Bahrain, if you know anything about it, it's like um, you literally move from one area to another in 15 minutes. So the school was was not that far away from me, it was like 20 minutes away from me. With traffic, it can be 35 to 40 minutes, Okay, but it depends on when my classes were. Yeah, it's actually funny you say that, because... I myself didn't know so much, didn't know a lot, like, at all about Bahrain. And yeah. when I met you, you started telling me a bit about it. So if there are people listening to us who don't know a lot about Bahrain, how could you describe it? I would say it's a very small but diverse island. Mm-hmm. You'll meet a lot of nationalities there. And there's a diversity of, you know, food. there's a diversity of population. So there's, therefore, there's a diversity of food. The food okay. there is really good. Did you have like a Bahraini dish that you that's your favorite, for example? The um, safi. It's a it's a like it's a small like fried fish, and it's a specific okay. kind of fish, and it's okay. like very well known. It's very popular, and I don't like fish, but this fish is like it's like you know, especially when it's like 
homemade it's so yummy it's like a traditional <laughs> thing for people to have it every weekend like every friday really? and, we, and we were we were yeah and we were one of those households would have safi every friday like if there it's like if i woke up on a friday and there was no safi i'd be so disappointed really it's like couscous <laughs> from morocco like couscous is like a friday thing yes yes is it a bit like that okay <laughs> um so um you were telling me about how polytechnic was kind of a you know, defining part of your life and how it helped you so much get your job and everything. But um, could you tell me, though, about your first jobs? Like, what did you do, like, after school directly? Did you get a job directly? Or how did that experience go for you? So from the age of 19, I was volunteering a lot. And the kind of okay. volunteering that I was doing was very practical kind of Uh, volunteering that would prepare you for working in a corporate so there's like organizations that do that I think like in JAWS and Isaac you know in JAWS because like you've worked in JAWS I I, I never participated in in JAWS even though it was like something I wanted to do but I knew what they did but I uh, but I was definitely active in Isaac and Isaac definitely made me such a good um, like employee or like very prepared for the work for for the workplace in addition of my degree. So it was kind of like working, but I was really volunteering. And then like after like working in Isaac for a year, I was able to land my first job through the connections that I made in Isaac. And that's and like that's when like job opportunities were much easier because that's yeah. how I built up my experience. Like mm. I worked, I think, three jobs and an internship. Um from the age of like wow. 19 to 22 before I graduated. How did you manage to be in two associations, start a, you know, co-found a company? The, the company that I started was after I graduated, so I yeah. wasn't like doing any school, but yeah. when I was when I was studying, I was working part-time and I would say it's all about time management. Yeah. And I'm the kind of person who's who's much more focused when I'm multitasking. So like when I have one thing to focus on, I get really yeah. bored and then I don't do it well. But if I'm like, yeah. okay, I have to do this, 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 so that I can like, because I have, a, like, if I have a specific timeline to do specific tasks, I'm uh-huh. like way more efficient and focused on them. But when I have the whole day, I just get bored and I just slack and stuff. Being a part-time uh, worker made me a better mm. student. And, um, you know, having the knowledge that I had in university also helped me with my work. Okay, well, I, I completely understand that, especially that since I was running a startup and was in business school at the same time, so I completely get you. It's just that for me in Morocco, we, and I, I think I already told you about this, but business school in Morocco was a bit tight on schedule. We had like a lot of classes, we didn't have a lot of free time, um, and we had lots of work. Um, so it kind of consumed a lot of my time so in Bahrain Polytechnic because it's more practical they do we do exams and presentations and assignments mm-hmm. and quizzes so we have all of that so we're very packed but because okay. there's so much workload they give us only four subjects oh wow yeah. that's not that's not much at all I had about like 10 per semester that's insane yeah so what, that's what I was saying that that's what they do like it's four subjects but like there's yeah. so much work within the subject because you do exams okay. and presentations it's like practical work and studying so yeah. from the outside it looks like it's easy but <laughs> like we're like working 24 7 so for me what I did was I took three subjects when I was working so that I can manage because if I took four subjects and I was working full-time 
I would have been, not been able to manage. But that really yeah. helped my GPA because I was like my GPA got better when I was like taking three and working because yeah. it was very healthy for me to multitask and mm. to have my you know my mind in two different places but when like but when I'm in class I'm like focused on class because I know this is this time is really valuable and this is the most mm. time I'll need and then when I go out of yeah. class and I have two hours I know that I need to study in these two hours instead of having five hours but I'm like procrastinating for an hour yeah. and a half and then eating for, <laughs> for you know like we do that as <laughs> yeah I completely get you it's just like when when once you organize your your day by time slots you kind of have to stick to it and you become more productive um which i completely get um and it actually leads me to my other question which is are opportunities to be a part-time student and to find associations like easy in bahrain or you have to know people and network a lot or like your or your school actually has connections with associations? Well, Bahrain Polytechnic, they do have an employ- career employment center. So they do help you um, understand how you can present yourself in an interview. And we have these uh-huh. resources at the university. You know, from from the age of 19 to the age of 23, I probably went through maybe 11 interviews. And I only got three or four jobs out of these interviews. Okay. You shouldn't be intimidated. So it was just all about building the, my, my confidence and understanding how so for example like understanding if I have a certain person that I met I consider that person as an asset for me so for example if I met a manager for example in a company um, one of the things that I would do is I provide value for them and then in return I could get a job understanding how networking works and understanding how you can um, utilize whatever opportunity you get when you meet one person or two and that could open up opportunities. But my jobs, it was just like a lot of them that I got was just me applying and getting them. But I was definitely a person that networked a lot and that helped my soft skill when I represented myself in interviews. Yeah, that's that's really, really good. And I think a lot of youth nowadays, especially in like the Arab world, um, do not necessarily network a lot and they mm-hmm. don't go out there and attend events and seminars and be part of associations. And I think that's really, really important. It mm-hmm. builds a lot the soft skills of the person and helps them get opportunities. And I just wanted to ask if you could give one advice to students right now who are not part of associations or, you know, they're just, you know, stuck with schoolwork. I think it goes down to what everyone wants. So I don't think in my opinion, it should be done a certain way. Like, it worked for me to work and study um, at the same time. I know a lot of people who, who you know, graduated with, without any prior experience, you know, regretted that. But for some people, maybe it doesn't work for them because some people are still getting to know themselves and they don't know what they want. So I think it's all about trying to understand what they want. Um, yeah. I do believe that um, going into... Um, NGOs and associations and organizations helps you go that way but that's not the only way it's just it's one way right so I think it's always understanding what what makes you feel comfortable because it's such an extroverted thing to do that and I understand that I have a lot of friends who don't feel comfortable doing that they don't they don't Mm -hmm. feel comfortable putting themselves out there because they're more introverted so if you're introverted and you're not you don't feel comfortable going into these associations and putting yourself out there Maybe you should still find something where you, that you could do at home that could still help you um, get a soft skill. There's online courses that you can buy. 
there's mm-hmm. um you know you can start a blog there's a lot of ways to do things online yeah. but i think um just finding these resources is important and just you know being true to yourself i was being true to myself when i was in these organizations when it didn't make sense to me i left and so yeah. with the startup when i felt like the startup didn't make sense to me i left so it's all about trying to understand what works for you is did you find it difficult as a woman to do so much because honestly like i have this idea and i think everybody does that in the middle east it's more difficult for you as a woman to network is that an issue in bahrain or not or is it just stereotype i think networking and getting to talk to people um and i don't know about the rest of the middle east i can talk from my own experience i don't think that stereotype um doesn't exist anywhere it exists in the united states it exists in, in the middle east mm-hmm. it exists in asia for women mm-hmm. all over the world I think it's di- it, it's different and it's layered differently depending on your economic and um you know racial background. Uh, yeah. so every person might not not everyone might understand that li- like some of the things that they're dealing with has to do with discrimination. A lot of people sometimes a lot of women talk to me about certain experience and I'm, in my head I'm always like oh this person is like definitely discriminating against you for your gender but they don't know that. So for yeah. me to answer your question I because i wear the traditional um hijab thing i did feel some kind of condescendingness coming from people and mm-hmm. the way that i dealt with it was just the way that i presented myself so when i present myself in a certain deme- demeanor and this is something yeah. that i learned in mappy right if you remember oh, yeah. when they told you like when they when dr tracy mentioned that you know the way that you present yourself affects the way that you feel about yourself and then the way that people feel about you okay. that helped me a lot so i made sure that when i talk i'm always like i i focus on my self confidence and my body language and mm-hmm. that really helped me deal with people who were challenged by um me being able to speak up or me being able to have a certain opinion about something i it was always about my body language and it was just yeah. about you know dealing with the situation in that moment but i definitely yeah. felt some discrimination and in bahrain in general and that's just my opinion some people might agree might, might disagree a lot of times when they see that you have the hijab on they think that oh like she is not open minded or she is like you know whatever sheltered or whatever and mm. when you don't wear the hijab they're they're a little bit more open to hearing you out a little bit more it it, ha- it yeah. presents its own challenges because sometimes they think of you just as a pretty thing or whatever but it just being wearing the hijab sometimes people don't expect much from you so you know each you know each each to each like image presents its own challenge but i think it's just like i said it's all about presenting yourself eventually it helps and the person that you're dealing with is more or less civilized that was some really good advice <laughs> seriously <laughs> I think it's really important as well to just value yourself for who you are and just be confident about what you have to offer and what you have to say. Um and I just wanted to know if you could tell us a bit your background story of when you got your job or you know a situation that you've lived in which you've actually been um been discriminated so when i was um one of the reasons i left the startup that i founded was that um the two like the two founding partners were men and they were like 15 years older than me and one mm-hmm. of them was really supportive like the initial founder the first person who like had like 
you know, the investment and all that stuff, he was way more civilized and he was like, he would like hear me out and we'd have constant conversations about where to take the business. My relationship with him presented some sort of like challenge because I wanted to take more action that like he had the more power because like he had the funding. So a lot of times I wanted to take action, but he would always like, no, let's wait. So the challenge for him was just to give me more authority and taking decisions and like I was never given that and that was something that I always struggled with and that's like you know after a year I realized that that's not good enough for me but it was you know the conversations that him and I would have would still keep me around because he would still listen to my opinion he would always tell me what I thought but the other guy that I was talking that I was like the other founder who came after me was very challenged and he was he came from a very traditional like a very like uber background uh, urban Mm -hmm. background and um and he was very challenged by my ability to talk and present myself and just little things that like blew my mind that has not been exposed to like a woman in her 20s who was able to just stand and be able to present herself and we would have so many arguments and it was really exhausting and I I felt at some place I didn't want to be in a place where I had to fight to be heard so I wanted so I aimed for for a company that valued my opinion and valued my ability to present myself and to develop myself um, regardless of my position so for Mm. me the discrimination came from just in your face you're a woman just be quiet and listen to us men talk it was as blunt as that like the message was very clear and Mm -hmm. it blew my mind like all of these things that I would read about and all that like I was experiencing it and I thought I would experience experience it like later on in my career when I'm like a manager or something but I was experiencing it from a very young and early on stage and it it just gave me exposure it gave me growth it uh, allowed me like it it made me understand that okay if you deal with someone like that what do you do do you Mm -hmm. like do you try to argue or like right now if I met someone like him I will not even bother trying to talk to him because the kind of person that I dealt with was someone who wouldn't even want to listen to me he wanted me just to not exist literally he would always be like no you should like listen to me first blah 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 so that was like very difficult Mm -hmm. for me to deal with because I've never had that kind of like bluntness in terms of sexism you know I just want to understand so your position um, to face this kind of discrimination is to actually just leave it because for you it was a toxic work environment and you decided that that's not the place you want to be, right? So the thing is because I would like talk to my my friend and my partner, the guy who founded the company and he would always like take everything that the other guy did with like, um, you know, he would just kind of brush it off. He would give him excuses and he'd be like, mm. no, he means well. He didn't see what I was talking about. He was not always in the office when that would happen because he had another job. Um, we were both of us were mostly full timers in that job, so he didn't understand my frustration. But also, he was not a woman, so he wouldn't know what I'm talking about. He didn't yeah. experience what I experienced. But like the other guy, like I'm not in touch with him because he's just not relevant to me. And to answer your question, was it better to leave? Yes, it was better to leave because. It was toxic. It did reach to the point where it was toxic and exhausting. And also because I was not growing professionally. Because I was so caught up with trying to get that guy to listen to me that I was, like, yeah. not working. So it's just not healthy. So I was like, okay, let me just, like, find something that will help me grow. 
I have this question that I have to get it out. But did you face that person who discriminated you about the subject? I don't remember. I'm pretty sure that I, um, you know, I would like I would bluntly tell him, you know, like um, I don't remember what, but I would argue with him about things, disagree with him about things, or. Mm-hmm. But um, he he would just have his way in like manipulating the situation to benefit him. And because they're both older than me and they're both men, so they kind of, um, I guess, worked with each other better than the other guy worked with me or understood each other more. Um, Even though, like, I predicted a couple of things that would happen in the company, like, six months before it happened. Like, but I was never taken seriously, and then it happened. So, like, I told them, like, hey, we're running out of, you know, finances in this department. We need to focus on this. Like, I predicted some things I was not heard. And then mm-hmm. when it did happen, I was like, okay, I'm not even being heard. And I see consequences. So why why should I? If you could give advice to people that today are faced with discrimination, um, especially now in their world, what kind of advice would you give them? So I don't think we're going to... Re- Sadly, it's the truth. I don't think we're going to reach a place of equality in the corporate world um, until maybe 100 more years. That's what uh, the United Nations estimates, 80 to 100 years. So I think, you know, for my generation, I would um, ask women to just get into startups or start one or start their own companies or just start initiatives that empowers them and Mm -hmm. focus on things that makes them a better person and grows their skill if they do choose to stay in the corporate world it's going to be a challenging one because globally the corporate world is male dominated and it's not always easy to um climb up the ladder or whatever Mm -hmm. and like i've became way more radical in my views when it comes to being um a corporate feminist because i started understanding that there's way more um just it's the fact that it's so male dominated is just very much against us because having women in who are managers in the industry as much as you know it's improving it's still not enough so um in my opinion we have to um aim for these roles very aggressively and the way that we do it is by having prior experience before we even go to the corporate world whether it's startups or um, you know, initiatives or whatever. So I would always um, put something on, you know, on our on our plate just so that we have a head start. And mm-hmm. for men, I would just say, listen to women. The biggest challenge <laughs> I, was they would never listen. And actually in the company that I worked in before, like we had um, a focus group where women talked about their experiences and the men couldn't have it. They kept like denying our experiences and they kept saying, we don't see it that way, even though it's not their experience, it's ours. So men, especially in the Middle East, um, they really struggle to listen to women. And, and that's, I believe this is our biggest challenge, being heard in the Middle East. If we would overcome that, I think a lot of things would improve. I completely agree with you that women need to, you know, acknowledge discrimination when it's there. I think that's the first thing, right? They have mm-hmm. to see it clearly and say, hey, I am discriminated and mm-hmm. I'm going to voice that out. And I think it's very important to voice it out. And absolutely, people need to listen more to each other, 
either like even women to women i think it's really important well the thing is understanding discrimination as a woman you have to understand what's going on around you like for me from a very young age because i have you know a brother who's older than me and a brother who's younger than me i always knew that the world didn't treat men and women equally just because i had two brothers it was very yeah it was very crystal clear for me but i'm a very observant person i would say for women it's all about knowledge it's about understanding what's going on and it's 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 just about being realistic and it's it's hard sometimes when you're in the situation it's hard to be realistic about what's going on because the more you know the the angrier you might get or the sadder you might get you know you know when they say ignorance is a bliss sometimes it's not (laughs) in this case it's not because we can't move forward if we don't know the roots of our problems and we don't know what we're dealing with and a lot of time when I deal with women especially in Bahrain they always tell me oh we've got it good even though we have a huge gender gap in terms of employment I say this many many times and I'll keep saying it but we only represent 19% of um, employees um, in Bahrain 80% is male dominated Um, that's a lot yeah, and even though we do we, we do represent the majority of management in industries like um, finance, um, we're still a minority, more or less. So I just think it's about being realistic about what's going on instead of being like, oh, we've got it good because we don't want to admit that we've got it bad. Yeah. You have to understand that um, we're not as, like, we're, we're not there yet. And that's not what a lot of women want to accept. They want to believe that they're equal because the reality is way too harsh on them so in order to understand discrimination you have to listen to people who talk about it because when I talk a lot of people don't dismiss me and then read about it and um, just understand what's going on around you by observing observe very closely you'll see it you'll, you'll see it crystal clear something interesting you said is that you've actually realized that you were discriminated because you had two brothers uh so i i remember are you two sisters and two brothers and i just want to know how you lived it at home for me i just i just saw that like my brothers were being heard more than i was yeah and i voiced that to my family too like you know like i need to be heard too i need my opinions to be heard and it took a while for that to happen eventually it happened but i had to work for it whereas my brothers they got it by default just by being men I felt like they were very condescending with me. Like, I'm, I was always told that I don't know any better. I never really lived um, in a household where I had a brother, so I didn't really notice this issue. Um, so I wanted to ask you, do, do you think that a, a, a big portion of this issue or where men are very, you know, blind to this idea is because of their parents? Like, mothers, even though they're women, they still didn't educate their sons to literally treat women pretty much equally so in my opinion it's up to the women to change um the environment around them so yeah women mm. can raise their sons better and they they can raise their daughters to be independent so like for example i know you grew up in a household where you were able to move out of the house this is yeah. kind of un- unheard for in Bahrain, like a woman being able to move out of the house because it's a small country, like that acts as a small city. It's very like radical and crazy for a woman to be able to move out. 
So even when you told me that, that blew my mind. I was like, wow, you can do that. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's so cool. It's very Western. Yeah, we're cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's honestly not... 100% general but it's not it's not taboo or it's not um not heard of a lot of people move out very young to pursue their studies well the thing is um I've I know women have done it but not in a very like in your face I'm moving out and moving to an apartment on my own kind of way you know a lot mm-hmm. of times women just end up studying abroad and then finding a job and that's a lot more accepted than just like oh I'm just like moving out of the house while I'm still a student you know what I mean like while yeah, you're still totally. in the country yeah so for me like for me um finding any opportunity abroad like finding any opportunity outside Bahrain and being like oh I'm just like outside Bahrain pursuing this specific kind of opportunity it helps with my situation because that makes it a lot less radical than oh I'm moving out for the rest of my life I'm not coming back it's it's not easy because they because because it's such a traditional thing for the daughters and the women to be with their family so much that my family is not being is not used to just me being away from them and them not supporting me financially that sometimes they're just like if you need anything we're here you want money? We'll send you money. It's just like they're freaking out. Parental yeah. instinct. Yeah. So they're they're still kind of freaked out, but it's all about, like I said, it's about it's all about us changing the status quo. Just being like, you know, it's okay. It's normal. You know, it's it's not it's not a bad thing if I want to live on my own. It's just us taking that action and just doing something different. It's it's a brave thing to do. I'll. I'll I'll, I'll have to admit it that's not easy like it took a lot of courage and a lot of determination from me to be able to do that but um it it's it's just all about going back to my first point knowing what you want knowing what you're comfortable with and not compromising with that since you talked about Morocco and about how different we are I just wanted to know like the first time we met what kind of impression did you have on me like what kind of impression do you have of Morocco you know seeing like a girl someone who's 23 or 21 from Morocco what did you expect like what kind of impression do you have so you and I were in the same team right I think we were like the blue team or something yeah um and I remember um I'm like not 100% extroverted like I'm not the kind of person that puts herself out there all the time like I can be sometimes but not all the time mm-hmm. and it takes me sometimes time to warm up to people but you I remember Dr. Tracy was like okay who's gonna be the leader for the group today for like this kind of I don't know we were going around Washington and she was introducing us to stuff and you stepped in and you were like I'll do it and I was like wow this girl is putting herself out there (laughs) so like my first impression about you was that you're confident but I don't remember associating you to your country because I don't remember even realizing that you were from Morocco I was just like oh I just like took an impression about you that you're confident and then I noticed how, like, workaholic you were. You were always on your, like, <laughs> laptop. But I admired that. I was like, wow. Yeah. This girl, like, when I would see you, like, you know, focused and on your laptop and stuff, I was always like, man, this girl is so focused and she's working. And I'm like, okay. And then, like, I would be like, oh, yeah, that's it's good. It's good. She's young. She should be working. I'm like, it's okay. And we're like, you know, some people work, some people don't. You don't, you don't, like, it's because I get the urge to work when I see someone work. I'm like, you don't have to work. It's okay. So I was just like, you inspire me. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, no, take it easy. Because, like, I've been taking it easy for a couple of years. Yeah, well, I completely get you. I was, I was at that time 
2017, I was working on on the startup. So I I was trying to like get work done and at the same time, you know, be part of the program and be, you know, involved and not give up on my startup at the same time. But yeah. um if you honestly like I actually knew you were from Bahrain and my first impression was I have yeah. no idea what the difference between Bahrain, Saudi Arabia is yeah. in terms of culture. And I think that's something you guys struggle with when you people ask you where you're from right yeah i mean yeah people are always people think bahrain and saudi arabia kuwait we're like we're more or less we are the same so i don't want to deny that it's not we're not the same the same but but saudi arabia is such an extreme religious country that in bahrain we're so much more open-minded than when someone is like oh so it's the same as saudi arabia we're like no 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 <laughs> the women are much better doing what they do like I'm like as much as I criticize Bahrain and I hate to to sound to say that but we do have it better than Saudi Arabia like legally there's way more things that's on our side mm-hmm. but um like there's a lot of similarities too but Bahrain because like I said earlier we're diverse we're multicultural locals tend to be a little bit more open-minded and a little bit more lenient than than yeah. um than Saudis like for me when I go to the airport And I'm a female traveling on my own. No one ever questions that. No one ever is like, what are you doing traveling on your own? Does your parents know? What are you like? No one ever say that. And and I look really young. Like I'm 26, but I look 21. I actually learned so much about Bahrain from you. Yeah. Um, and that's really cool. And I think a lot of people should, you know, actually go and read more about Bahrain and Middle East and actually figure out there's a lot of differences. Yeah. Um, even though we're all Arabs, which is kind of cool. I have one last yeah. question for you, Noor. The best advice you've ever been given and how has that changed a situation in your life and why? So I I really like what you just said, that, you know, when you met me in Zahra, it, the way that you think about Bahrain changed. And that's the best advice that someone gave me was, like, when I was, like, Bahrain Polytechnic changed me and like changed my character on so many levels was not just because of the degree and the education and everything it was also because of the instructors and the tutors that were there who made a huge impact on my my character and personality and gave me so much more confidence and they didn't directly give me that advice but they did advise me to travel around and like see the world and they would always say um you know, like, there's way more to the world than Bahrain. Because a lot of people, they have the means, a lot of people my age, they have the means to travel and see the world, but they end up just settling down and getting married and not exploring the world. And then they realize it at, like, an older age. So I was told, like, to get out of the country and to see the world. And I did. Like, I did. Like, I traveled a lot more than anyone maybe my age um, in Bahrain. Like, I went to so many countries in the past three years. And I was able to travel as much as I could. And that really opened my mind. It really uh, made me understand cultures and it gave me a lot of um, well-roundedness. So this is what I would tell people. Just travel, put yourself out there, um, just see the world because that makes you um, understand people better, have more empathy and just, you know, understand how to deal with people. That initially helps you with your career. Yeah, well, I completely agree with you. But just for our listeners, though, do not travel right now because it's uh, a <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> Stay home and travel after. 
Yeah. Yeah. When this pandemic ends, start traveling. When now, just stay home. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Noor, for joining me today. Thank you for doing this. I had so much fun. For our listeners, you can leave us your feedback on everything we've said on this first episode and stay tuned for the next one.